Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Neve O'Connor, standing in for Liam Garrity this week. On today's show, we're joined by self-professed customer care nerd, Camille AC. Camille is a longtime CX leader and has worked with startups like CrowdStrike, Humeo and Nihilus, and a mentor at First Round and advisor to The Loops, a customer data platform that leverages AI. Camille, welcome to the show. Hey, Kenny, it's good to be here. So you describe yourself as a customer care nerd. What inspired your passion for this field and how has it shaped your career? Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know, maybe nerd, I shouldn't say, but you can see all these books behind me and a lot of them are about customer care. I guess at the start of my career with startups, I was working in a more generalist role. I'd been working in journalism and working as a writer in Europe. And I came back to the U.S. knowing that I couldn't survive in New York City, probably as a journalist. So I had to make sort of a career pivot. And at that time, a lot of startups were starting to blossom again. And people directed me. They said the kind of skills, the self-starter skills you have, the resources you have would be really useful in startups. And so I I began working with them in a very like jack of all trades, Jill of all trades way, marketing, customer care, operation, sales, all sorts of things on the go-to-market side and also a little bit on the product side. And uh, at a certain point, I was called on to assist customers and I really just started to like it. I remember one sort of heartbreaking moment where a woman called and she needed to make payment on something and she wanted to make payment and then get to the hospital to be at the side of her husband who was dying. And those kind of things where I could help someone and also just be another human being on the other other side of the line really touched me. So I started letting that be known to other people. And they pointed me in the direction of a community called Support Driven, uh, where I met other people. And I really think that was key to me sort of devoting myself to this is just finding that tribe, finding those people that are like-minded and love doing this work and love being helpful and don't mind being paid for it. Yeah, I love that you talk about the transferable skills there that you brought to CX because reality is CX people come from all walks of life and bring all sorts of perspectives. But what do you see as the current shortcomings or the opportunities that are being missed in CX and what could people who manage CX leaders specifically do better? I mean, I think, you know, and I've been thinking about this. There's a, a colleague of mine where we're, we're working on, um, I think, a series of blog posts about this. I think for startups, sometimes they overhire in the area of customer care and bring someone in who's really senior when they don't need someone so senior full time at that salary and with that level of oversight and experience. But then on the other hand, you see a lot of startups say, okay, well, the generalist, which, you know, to be honest, I was a generalist at one point, but let's let let the generalist be the customer care person. And that person, of course, can do the day-to-day work. But in terms of thinking about the strategy and how, where the organization should be in a year, two years, three years, how to hire, things like that, a lot of times that person's learning on the job. So I think it's kind of a Goldilocks that you're looking for a lot of the time, somebody that has enough experience. And then there's a great opportunity now in the fractional space. A lot of customer care leaders, such as myself, are making ourselves available either as advisors or fractional CX leaders. And we can come in and help establish the strategy, but we don't need to work there you know, full time with benefits. We can come in in a consultant capacity and bring that expertise into the organization and then that person who's sort of that Goldilocks CX leader can run the day-to-day operations of the team. So I think that's something that's been a little underexplored in the SaaS startup space is 
trying to find consultants that can come in and help you shape your strategy organizationally and also help develop your leaders who probably are lower level or, you know, or more junior or mid-level. Absolutely. I'd say that rings true for a lot of a lot of companies. And speaking of new opportunities, how do you see the integration of AI and specifically large language models impacting the future of customer support and the skill set as well that's required for customer care professionals? And do you think it'll help elevate the field by focusing more on expertise and less on team tiering? You know, the train has absolutely left the station with AI. A lot of people are, are doubling and tripling down on it across all the major platforms. I know Intercom, I won't name Intercom's competitors. I know Intercom is, is working in that space. Of course, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there. I always, when I come in and take over a customer team, I'm always looking for where we can automate out the things that are repetitive, that we do all the time, the questions. You know, I think automate and AI goes hand in hand with documentation. And I always love to either bolster or start to build up a documentation in any team that I work with because AI is only as good as the data that you put into it. And so making sure that there is data in a public place that the customer can get his hands on, that the AI can get its, I don't know, robot arms on <laughs> is rather critical. I'm middle of the road. You know, I'm an advisor at the Loops doing amazing work there, leveraging the data that particularly large teams can bring in to help them not only get insights, but decide what to do next. I think that's what's critical is not just looking, generating more charts, generating more spreadsheets, but like which things should we do next? I think that's where leaders need the most amount of help. So AI's assistance and helping comb through, you know, megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes of data that comes in from your customers, that comes in maybe from your product, and then saying, here's where your effort will reap the best return on investment. I think that those are the things that are most interesting. The human touch, I think, is still really critical. As I mentioned, as I started with, when that woman called and she was so scared that her husband was in the hospital, he was probably going to die soon, and she wanted to talk to a person, like, no way I can connect with a person there and, you know, just be an understanding ear on the other side. So I think that human side of it is always going to be really critical, but where things are repetitive, where things really can be self-service, I think that's a great opportunity for AI. And we'll see what we, you know, and I think we need to get more sophisticated about the languages we go on as well, but I'll leave that to experts to, to tell us how we should talk about it moving forward. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that's something we speak about a lot here as well is the human AI partnership, because both have different strengths. And once you utilize them both in the best way, you can really have really up level your support offering hugely. Absolutely. To bring it back to your previous work, so you've written a really interesting blog post on speaking to CS leaders about navigating and managing teams in time with layoffs, which unfortunately we've seen a lot of in the last couple of years. And you emphasize the importance of embracing automation, creating templates and writing documentation, like you mentioned in your last answer, to streamline support processes. Could you share some practical examples of how leaders can effectively implement these strategies in the short term without compromising the quality of their customer care? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that quality in the short term might go down. That's a decision that the leadership made. I don't think you are going to get the same level of quality with the you know 50% of the resources allocated to it, to be honest. And one of the things I emphasize in the blog post is the importance of the CS leader 
getting buy-in with the organization and saying, you know, I might not have had a seat at the table when you made this decision, but now the decision's been made. Here's sort of what's off the table. And it's a hard conversation to have. And I think people are so maybe frozen with fear about losing their own jobs. They don't want to have that. But I think the kind of leader I am, I always want to, it's critical to me to protect my team. I, I think a great customer experience comes from a great team experience and great teams feel like their manager and their leader has their back. So I think that's the first thing is saying, here's you know the entirety of what we have traditionally offered our customers with you know, 25% ref, a 50% ref, here's what we can do today. Here's what we can offer you today. And in making sure that that is clear and that there's buy-in so that people will come around and say later on, hey, retention's gone down or customer satisfaction's gone down. What did you do wrong? And we're like, well, we don't have all the people we need. And of course, we never want that. And you want to keep your eyes on those KPIs, regardless of whether, you know, you're operating with a skeleton crew or not, but I think that step one is that human element of connecting with people who are leaders and saying what things are non-negotiable and have to keep moving forward and which things are we gonna have to say, hey, this initiative we're gonna put on the back burner or uh, this sort of bespoke care we were giving to this segment of our customers, we can't, we're gonna have to move the bar up a little bit and say, you know, top 5% get this sort of white glove experience, not the top 15%. So I think that's the most important thing. The work of documentation, I think, really should be ongoing as it as it comes up and also uh, trying to continue to fight for the time and say, okay, we might have support agents off the desk 20% of the time, but that investment will come back to us because then the AI automation tools that we're using can draw from the documentation that we're using. Also, our team internally can draw from it because... You have this on support teams so frequently where one person figures something out and then they don't get the time to write it down. So then anytime it comes up again, they're like, oh, yeah, Susan knows how to do this. As opposed to giving Susan that time off the support desk to write it down, put it in the place that's accessible to the entire team and hopefully in a way to the customers as is appropriate. And then those shoulder taps are reduced. So really thinking about, okay, you're going to lose Susan's time on the desk or on the phones or on the chats for a little bit of time, but that's going to come back to us because all those shoulder taps uh, will hopefully go away, at least in this one area. Absolutely. And then from the, some of the things you mentioned there, like lack of time, lack of resources, and we've been talking about the introduction of AI and, and new technologies, are you seeing a hit to team morale and how are leaders tackling that in your experience? You know, the riffs are... Definitely. I think across the industry, not just on the support side, I think you're seeing it across every every side of the building, less so on engineers, but even even on engineers. I think, we, you know, if you log into LinkedIn, you're going to see the little green <laughs> around people's circle all the time. It definitely is is taking a hit. And it's hard because also on the other side, you see there's so much enthusiasm about AI, but it has to be balanced with you know, I hope that people are continuing to develop this AI or thinking about it in a way that where they can cultivate more opportunities for other people. But I, mean, I haven't heard anyone say, you know, a robot took my job <laughs> so far. You know, we have this like dystopian idea. Nobody feels that way. They definitely feel like they still have a contribution to make. I think we all do, but uh, it's not a competition. I don't, I don't think most of us feel like we're in competition. I do hear that maybe on the design side a little bit more. These design tools can be sophisticated, if a little bizarre in terms of what they <laughs> generate. Uh, so yeah, on the arts and designs and also content creation, because 
you know, a little bit of effort in chat GPT can get you um, a suitable piece of content, not a great piece of content. So yeah, it's something people are thinking about. And, you know, I, I think the conversations have not, I haven't heard a lot of conversations about how do we raise our game, you know, across all the fields so that we bring something to the table. I, I've talked to someone who was thinking about going to a coding boot camp. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know that episode two of Offscript, our new series of candid conversations with Intercom, all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing, is out now on YouTube. Here's a teaser featuring our chief product officer, Paul Adams, discussing AI-first customer service. The best place for me to start is that technology only moves in one direction. Once you go through these like before-after moments, you never go back. AI has clearly already shown us that it can help in transformational ways. It has given us a new way to do customer service. And that new way is AI first. The business that provides incredible customer service is the business that will win. And the earlier that people lean into this completely new mindset, the earlier they can deliver this incredible holy grail type of customer experience. It's a huge opportunity for businesses to literally change how people think about them. It's just a matter of time. That's all to come on episode two of Offscript. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel right now, and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. And I'm concerned about the future of junior developers. You know, the, the quality of code junior developers can create, AI can create. And it's really senior developers and people with a stronger eye that are going to have the edge. So what do we do about everyone else who, who would like to raise up through the ranks and, and get to that place of senior developer? So across all the industries, across support, you know, I love nurturing junior talent. And there's no such thing as a degree in customer support. You learn on the job. You learn alongside people. And if we say tier one things are going to be automated out, then how do people get a foot in the door? I really, you know, I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we've been thinking about here as well, because we have a, an AI chatbot that we offer. And when you're onboarding new junior talent, how is it that you allow them to learn with the easy questions, with the easy queries the customers have when the chatbot can really handle those now for you and making sure that they get to that next level so they can begin to contribute the human element is something we're really looking at. You've mentioned in the past the importance of customer segmentation when you're aiming for a more tailored customer experience. Could you dive deeper into the appropriate experience approach and provide some insights on how customer service leaders can balance the needs of different customer segments, especially with limited resources? Yeah, absolutely. This, you know, appropriate experience comes from Lincoln Murphy, who's a customer success pioneer. And I think traditionally we've thought about it as whoever pays us the most amount of money gets the most amount of attention. But as I've gone along, sometimes you have people who do pay us a lot of money, who do have a marquee name as a brand, as a customer, or someone you you know emblazon on your homepage, but their team doesn't need the handholding. When I worked at Humio and then we were acquired by CrowdStrike, we had customers at a, a, a very large financial organization. And those customers in some ways could run circles around our customer care team, they'd just been using the product for so long, they found little tricks and tips and they would teach them back to us. So in terms of the amount of time they needed with us, when they didn't want to be with us, it was more just to kind of nerd out about the product and like where it was going and not so much because they needed something. 
So, you know, I, I, there was a colleague or another customer care leader who was at Looker, and he talked a lot about this idea of graduating those kind of customers into the community. And I love that idea that they can be in a community like at Humio, we had a Slack, for example, and those customers would be almost deputized community support and help people in jams. And then if they couldn't figure it out, then the person you're trying to help would then come to support. So I love the idea of that. And so when you're thinking about appropriate experience, it's like who actually needs this amount of attention? And I think in a lot of organizations, particularly earlier stage startups, the feeling is if we don't talk to customer X, big name customer X every week, and then one day they churn, it'll have been our fault because we didn't we didn't keep babysitting them in a way. But there's got to be a way to leverage the product, particularly in SaaS, to keep an eye on what they're doing and then be responsive. And this is where automation also helps, where you can see that people are, let's say, in an area where they're getting a lot of errors, getting a lot of issues, then proactively saying, hey, we noticed you keep having an issue in this area. Could we grab half an hour with you to just walk through either what problem you're having or a better approach to this, that sort of thing. So a more reactive approach in some cases, rather than just that steady drumbeat of every week we meet to babysit it. And I think that's that's born also of customer success being a newer space than account management and a lot of organizations looking at it customer success basically as a rebranding account management, which is not meant to be. It's meant to onboard customers, keep them happy, keep growing those accounts, but making sure that they are achieving their own stated goals with the use of your product. Not just, are you okay? Are you happy? Do you want to buy more things? If they haven't achieved what they were hoping to achieve, then it's just becomes a pushy sales conversation, which I always make clear as a customer care leader, I'm not interested in that. As a customer care leader, if our product is not the right product for the customer, I want to be able to come from a place of integrity and strength and tell that customer this isn't the right fit for them. And I know it's not a popular thing to say. I've been told, <laughs> I've been admonished from saying that kind of thing, but I think it's really important. And I think for your personal brand as a customer care leader and for overall organization, people appreciate that kind of integrity. So when I'm thinking about segmentation, I'm thinking about First, you know, who needs to be onboarded? What kind of onboarding do they need for what goals they're looking to accomplish for the challenges that they particularly have? And then who has a team that's going to need a little bit more handholding or need a little bit more engagement as time goes along versus the customers that just it clicks for them, it's working for them, that sort of thing. And I've always encouraged my team to also talk to the and do like periodic check-ins and it's a relationship like any other relationship is this going well for you do you still like this like is bi-weekly monthly quarterly is this good for you or are you feeling like it's rehash and you'll reach out when you need us i think people appreciate that they're so busy your product is probably one of a suite of products they're using and you are one of myriad of support or success people that are reaching out to them every day every week so being sensitive to that and saying, hey, I know you have a job to do. We've talked about what your goals are for this quarter or this for this year. And talking to me is not always in league with getting that done. It's in league with, for me, on the, cost, you know, on the, on the product side, hey, it's great. I'm talking to you. My manager's happy. I've spoken to you. You had a smile on your face on the Zoom call. But that's 30 minutes you could have used to do something else. So really thinking about what's appropriate there, I think is critical. And if people are interested, you can look up Lincoln Murphy. He's got an excellent podcast where he talks about 
this every week. It's it's bite-sized and, and really useful. And he's really passionate about this idea of appropriate experience. And it's hard to get by because dollars equaling importance is it's kind of what makes business move forward. But it's it's not always the right fit and it won't always yield the the outcomes you're looking for. Totally. It requires a, a real mindset change there. That brings me nicely on to my next question, which is in your experience, how can customer service or customer success or customer experience agents effectively translate customer feedback and needs into actionable requirements for product development teams? Yeah, this is something I'm also really passionate about. At my last company, there was a Slack channel where they would drop every bit of feedback they got from customers on phone calls, over email, that sort of thing. But it was reams and volumes of notes and links to gong phone calls and that sort of thing, but no depth, no depth in terms of here's how much revenue this represents, here's how many times we've heard this particular thing of just like customer X doesn't like this, customer Y doesn't like this, customer Z wants this instead. So I really pushed at my last organization and at every organization I work with, take a data-driven approach. Don't slack the product team for every little complaint. As your organization grows, the amount of requests you're going to receive, the amount of feedback is just going to grow and grow. You're, it's never going to be a, a day where you're everybody's like, all right, closing time. We've fulfilled all the, you know, all the feature requests. And a matter of fact, here I have a, a board above my desk. And one of the things I printed out from one of Intercom has all these great resources on your website. And there was a graph you have, and it's like, at the top, it says, you know, customers, um, it's hard to do, easy to do, customers want it, customers don't want it. It's just like a, a grid kind of thing. And I always love to show that to teams and say, hey, there's loads of things. Customers want lots of things. It's up to product to determine based on a lot of other input, input from sales, input from the market, input, of course, from the customer team as well. And also just our overall vision for what we want to achieve as a product and as a company, those, all those ingredients go into determining how our product changes. But I think our job as a customer team is to move beyond anecdotes and start to get into the data. And of course, you know, as we talk about AI, that's when you have volumes of data, it's really helpful to leverage a tool like the loops or like another tool that's out there to start aggregating and saying, hey, which things do customers bring up the most? and also pull in the data from the CRM about how much revenue that represents, that sort of thing. You know, talk amongst yourselves uh, in the organization on the GTM team, if you have one, with the product team, and really identify like, which areas do we wanna place that bet on here? But I think it, it definitely starts from the customer team taking um, a higher level view and not this anecdotal. And you know, I, I love to hire people and work with people who are passionate and care about customers and want then to have a great experience with the product. But I think you can show that face to the customer and then end the Zoom call, connect with your team and say, what's actually really important here from the company's perspective? And you can always find language to communicate to the customer, hey, we can't do that right now. And you know, you're really important to us. And can you talk to us more about why this is a blocker and will this work around look for you, that kind of thing. But I think from an organization, you lose your, you can lose yourself so quickly as a product, as a product experience, if you're just like, let's fulfill every ticket that a customer brings in. And I think the sooner that customer care people are dissuaded of the idea that we're here to fulfill the wishes of the people who use our product, 
the faster you could start to have a conversation about what really makes sense and how can we be a partner to product and engineering in delivering the most amount of value for the most amount of people, not for everyone, but the most amount of value for the most amount of people and the right people too. Which product can help you understand? Here's who we actually are building this for. And that goes back to the conversation I had before where sometimes it's not the right product for certain people at a certain time. And it's a hard conversation to have, but I think it's important in keeping that focus and alignment on delivering a great experience to the people who you are trying to target. Yeah, it speaks to the number of hats that customer care teams have to wear all the time and the number of skills they have to juggle. Yeah, I think keeping a, a close relationship with product and not necessarily talking every day and slacking every day, but understanding what's really important to them and them understanding what's really important to you. I think is that relationship is so critical. Any company I look at to, you know, where I'm considering working, I always like to have a good conversation with the product leader there and understand what their priorities are and, and, and determine whether we can work well together. Mm-hmm. So to take it back to you, what's on the horizon for 2024? Do you have any big plans or projects coming up? You know, I, I think I'm still really exploring this fractional space that I talked about before. I know at my last company, I really acutely felt like I was too senior of a, a customer leader for the needs of that organization, but I did have something to contribute. So I want to continue to ex- explore the ways I can be of value to startups. I love that space. I, I It's a nimble, super fun space. A lot of energy, and I think getting a great customer experience or delivering a great customer experience really starts at the inception of the company. So I am keen to keep having conversations with with founders and early stage companies about what are the critical ingredients to grow into a big company that has a world-class customer experience. Great, thank you. And lastly, where can everyone go to keep up with you and your work? CamilleAC.com. That's my website. I have a tab at the top. It's called CX Thoughts. So if you want to read what I'm thinking about CX, I've written recently about AI. I also wrote a three-part about what it looks like from the customer care perspective when your team gets acquired or acquires another company. I had a great conversation with a bunch of my peers recently and the amount of feedback, the amount of thoughts couldn't fit in one blog post, so I turned it into three. And so if your company's in the process of being acquired, if you're acquiring something, or if you're just curious, I I, I thought it was a great conversation and I tried my best to sum it up there. So CamilleAC.com, go there. You can contact me. We can chat. Also, I'm always game to talk to other customer care nerds or budding customer care nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I'm sure our listeners would be excited to check that out. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Camille Acey. And that's it for today. Join us again next week for more Inside Intercom. This is Inside Intercom.